Patrol. We're recording way earlier than we usually do because today's co-host thinks his all my life revolves around his life. I do not like. This is w- true. I, yeah, exactly. I do not like waking up in the morning. And actually, we're, cu- we're recording this a little early. I'm still on my spring break. And for some reason, I've woken up every day on my spring break earlier than I do for work. What is going on? John, why do you run my life? Listen, man, my youngest son is huge. You would think he would sleep in all day long, but he wakes up at 545. And so I'm just up. But I have this grande nitro cold brew. Did I hear you correctly? Did you just say that your son is huge? He's huge, and you just assume that fat kids will sleep more, you know? Then why aren't I sleeping more? (laughs) (laughs) I said kids, okay? (laughs) I'm a child. Not in, like, the good holy sense. Like, you should... You should be like children. I'm like the sense, like whenever Paul says, like you should put away childish things and move forward. I'm still in the childish things section. Jesus said, bring me the children, right? He, like sh- he sure did. So welcome to the show, man. The big thing that we have to start with is now Lent has started. So now everyone's doing penance and you've been doing it for like your entire year so far. How do you yeah. feel that everybody has now joined you in some form of penance? You know, it's about time. It's about time. I knew they would. I knew the day would come. And now everyone's doing Exodus 40. (laughs) Exodus 40. No, I'm doing Lent. I'm taking my seven days off on Sunday. And like we talked about last week, I'm not doing very well. So Wait, you say you're taking your seven days off? Yeah, Sundays. What? It's not seven. It's like six. Yeah, you should do that. You take the Sundays off, right? You don't take days off from Exodus 90, or you're not supposed to take days off from Exodus 90. You know, we definitely, we have a little mini Easter as well on Sundays. You're supposed to, man. Because here's what a priest told me once, and this is great. If you don't cheat on what you're giving up for Lent on Sunday, you're basically saying Jesus didn't rise from the dead. His resurrection doesn't mean as much as your sacrifice. It just makes me feel a lot better because, like, during the week, whenever I miss on my Lenten sacrifice, I feel like a dummy. But then when I forget to do it on Sunday, I'm like, yes, it's because I'm very holy and recognizing (laughs) Christ's resurrection. That's just amazing. <laughs> All right. We, uh, we have a great show for everybody today. We're going to be talking about some things that I definitely didn't know about Lent. And I'm a 29-year-old man that's been in the Catholic Church my whole life. You'd think I would know these things. We're going to talk a little bit about specificity in prayer. That's a very fancy word for me. Specificness. You had it. That was perfect. Oh, good. Thank you very much. Thank you. Something I learned in the old prayer the other day. Uh, definitely not a prayer I was leading. Something A prayer that somebody very holy was leading. Uh, we're going to talk about Instagram and Facebook being down last week for a little while. That was kind of crazy. Ooh. And finally, my friends, finally, we figured it out. This is where we unveil this year's Ministry Madness Bracket. I am so very excited for this to be going on. It's finally here. I still haven't made that sound effect yet. You know what? Right when we're done recording today, I'm going to make that sound effect because I want you to never do it again. I want to be able to just push a button. Just like you controlled me this morning and made me wake up early against my will, I'm going to control your voice and make you say whatever I want you to say, which is the cool thing about radio editing. I love going through at the end of the show and like making little clips. It's like, you know, I I can make you say, Taylor is the best you know i can make anybody say whatever whatever i want because you know all the things that people aren't going to say in real life i make them say when they're not here and it just makes me feel better about myself about my relationships let me give you some let me just give you some content then real quick okay mountain doritos amazing worst beards bald (laughs) headphones lions there you go you can, you can make a lot of sentences with those words. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do now? I'm not going to make the sentence. I'm just going to use that as an audio drop. <laughs> like, oh, John couldn't make it in today, but he called and left us a voicemail. And just play that. Thanks, John, for, for your yeah. input. <laughs> it's just like you're here. <laughs> okay. Uh, I do have a couple announcements as, we are, as we're getting started today. Last week, I mentioned that we... One of the things that we're doing for Lent here at the show is I let uh, audience members suggest what I should do for Lent. And most of the ideas were very, very dumb. Um, one of them was only semi-dumb, so we did that one. And we uh, started a, a funding campaign, raise money, charity, charity event for people on the show. 
where we are going to uh, raise money for Taylor to shave his beard. So here's what everybody needs to do. Oh, John, you have a you have a terrified look on your face. What's going on over there? That was not a terrified look. That was an angry look. That's my Hulk face. Angry no, look. Uh, man. I did it again. Dude, what are you doing? You're going to look horrible. I already look horrible. <laughs> well, you're a handsome guy, man. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Uh, you're a mix of Brad Pitt and Seth Rogen. I thought I literally thought you were going to say Jesus and Fergie, so I wasn't I wasn't ready for the real the real comparison. Give me that again. Hit me with it again. You're like a mix of Brad Pitt and Seth Rogen. Mostly Seth Rogen. <laughs> 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 no, you know what I am? I'm a mix of the Rogans. Seth Rogen and Joe Rogan because of the baldness. <laughs> yes, and Gimli. Gimli. I'm a little taller than Gimli. Everyone's going to be really mad at you for the Brad Pitt comparison because everybody's going to be like, well, I did trust John, and now I don't trust his judgment whatsoever. <laughs> Man. So tell me why you're doing this. You're, okay, so it's for charity, though, right? It's for good cause. It is for charity. It's for for uh, three good causes. So last week I, I mentioned two of them, and then there was a third one that I knew I had in the back of my mind. I just couldn't think about it when I was prepping for the show. Then I went home from the show, and I looked at my wife, and I was like, oh, I remember what it is because she had told me two weeks ago that there's a family married couple around our age. Uh, they got married out of Ave Maria University where my wife went. So she was friends with them in college. Like, like ourselves, they have three kids and they lost everything in a house fire a few weeks ago. Like they lost all of their belongings. Like the family's fine, but like they, had, they, they have nothing, right? So they started yeah. a funding campaign. My wife was like, hey, can we donate to them? And I was like, actually, I just gave quite a bit to some other charities last month. That, that sounded like a humble brag. I really didn't mean for it to. <laughs> Actually, I got Actually, the house yeah, 10 homeless people I and they're gave, all living in the same room. <laughs> I gave $1 million to uh, children. <laughs> I don't know. So like, I was like, well, that, that portion of our money has been allocated already for this month. We will give next month. So like, we're going to be donating to this thing as well. Uh, my wife and I will do some kind of matching for for what people do. Not in it, not a one to one match, but you know we'll we'll be given to these three charities as well. So we're given to that family. We're given to Ablaze Ministries. Yes, it's where I work. No, I don't get any of the proceeds at all. It's just going to to further youth ministry, youth ministry training here in the Brazos Valley, and as we as we move into to St. Louis this summer. And then uh, the Brothers of the Beloved Disciple, a religious order that helped me discern when I was thinking about priesthood or marriage, and that they helped guide me through that process. So three great charities. Here's what you can do. You get all the information, ForteCatholic.com slash donate. We're trying to raise $2,000 in this Lenten season. If we get all the way there, there's like level, you know, tears, right? I will have tears, T-E-A-R-S, whenever I have to shave my beard. Uh, but there are tears, T-I-E-R-S. Forgiving five hundred, I'll shave it down to like a two-week beard. A thousand, I'll shave it all the way down to just the goatee, Breaking Bad style. Fifteen hundred, I'll shave it all the way down to my beautiful baby face that John's terrified of and angry about. And then two thousand dollars, I'll keep the creep the creeper stash for a week. I look terrible, so that's what I want people to do. ForteCatholic.com/slash/donate. Let's do this together and make me look dumber than I already do. Moving on. Perfect. Another link that I want to send the people to. Are you ready for this, John? I'm ready. (laughs) 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 Ministry Madness Bracket is out. Our third annual Ministry Madness Bracket. Head to ministrymadness.com. This is the bracket that we put out every year uh, pitting 64 ministry leaders for the month of March against each other. And like, there are other brackets that are like, here's your popularity contest. Who's the coolest Catholic? Who's the best speaker? This is not what that is. We are pitting all of these people against each other in a legal boxing match, virtually, of course. Some of them over the past couple of years have actually met like they've met in person with the person they were batched up against in Ministry Madness, and they like took pictures like they were boxing. We haven't fully made it happen yet, but at some point, I will box one of these people. We will do. Yeah, it. <laughs> I will wipe the floor with this entire bracket. I don't know if people know this or not, but I am a ten-time gold champion black belt. I don't think those no. exist, and you're lying either way. I said too much. I said too much. <laughs> I went too far. <laughs> 10-time world champion black belt. <laughs> Gold black belt? What is that, John? <laughs> yeah, you're you're not you're not right. But 
like like you mentioned, if, as the people will see, go to ministrymadness.com. You are one of the contestants this year, which is interesting. Bring them out. Bring them out. <laughs> we were just doing all the TI stuff today. You you, you did the, the bring them out. We've done the, we've done the, pew, 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 which he's had in some of his songs. We had an interesting, uh, interesting conversation about this because you have seen this bracket before. Let's tell the story just just a little bit. Okay, so like you've seen the bracket before. When did you find out that this was me? I found out this was you a couple of days ago. <laughs> well, okay, so I, there's, there's, I've seen a ministry bracket which pins people up against each other of who's the best speaker and that kind of stuff. And I think that's so toxic and awful. And I thought that was you when you said I'm doing this thing. So I was like disappointed. I was like, not Taylor, come on. I'll talk to him about it on the podcast. And then today, this morning, I find out that it's actually the fun one <laughs> Which I've seen, I think, for the last two years, not even just last year. And I had no idea that you ran it, and it's hilarious. So I cannot <laughs> wait to be a part of this boxing match. I hope I get matched up with Father Strapa because he's going down. Okay, so, we, yeah, we don't know what the what the final matchups are going to be because how it works is everybody can go through and, like, the, the winner is – the winner – is decided by you, the listener, you go through and vote. So how it works is that we have four brackets, just like in the NCAA um, March Madness. I can, I almost forgot the word March because all I think of when I hear brackets now is Ministry Madness because it's run my life for the last three years. So we have the podcaster's bracket. We have the priest's bracket. We have the like catch-all bracket of musicians, authors, media. You know, there wasn't enough of them, so we had to put them all into one bracket uh, because we all know that there aren't enough Catholic authors. That's a joke. Okay, and then and then there's always, every year, there's a women's bracket. And so all the women will, will, will box each other, and then the winner of, like, because it's one of those things. It's like, okay, we don't necessarily want the women fighting the men. So what we do every year is we have... The, the women all fight each other, but then the best of the women, the one who gets all the way to the top of the women's bracket, does end up fighting a dude in the final four. <laughs> and like, what's crazy is the first year, you know, the woman got fourth place. And I was like, okay, we got to do something about this. So actually, our co-host, our friend, Allison Sullivan, was a contestant last year. She got third place. She beat one of the dudes <laughs> in the final four. <laughs> That's awesome. And it's because like Allison's voting wasn't doing all that great because I used like the picture of her where she looks, you know, really, really, really nice. And like it's her like speaker profile picture. And then she said, you know what? We need to be doing well. And she sent me like a picture of like her sleeve rolled up with her like super sick tattoo on her arm. And it shot her right to the top of the voting. <laughs> That's awesome. So, John, I, I don't know if, if you've been listening well enough and comprehending, but. If you want to win this thing, you need to get a tattoo on your arm and send me a picture. That's 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 the the seriousness. Oh my goodness, you already have a tattoo on your arm. Send me Brilliant. that send me that picture <laughs> and you might have a chance of winning. I don't have a chance because I'm not going to be able to tweet it out and so I'm going to lose and I'm upset. Oh man, it's all right. This is my cross. So I want to take it to next year's. <laughs> to, to the next year. So one year, not this year. Like eventually, eventually I'm going to run out of people because 64 people every year, like we're getting up to a lot of people. So eventually we're going to do like, you know, like all those shows like Survivor and yeah. uh, like The Bachelor, Bachelorette. There's like, you know, they bring back former people. It's like you almost won, but you didn't win. We're going to have like a Ministry Madness reunion one year where it's just like everybody that got like second, third, fourth. They're all going to go up against each other. So if you want to be a part of that, John, you need to do fairly well this year. You need to do fairly well to squeak into the reunion bracket in a couple of years. <laughs> I'm going to place it in the, the hands of our, of our beautiful lady. Allison Madonna, Sullivan? That is. Oh, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> we love Allison. I, I was like, I was very confused in the, in the conversation where we were going. So, um, just, I just want to focus in on a few matchups. So, like, you can see all of this and go vote. And how it works uh, for, for you guys voting is you go through and you vote all the way through the first round. And then the winners of the first round, like, it'll start having you vote for the next round. So you do all the voting at one time. And then uh, throughout, throughout the rest of the month, uh, you have until the like, beginning of April. Because we always do this around, like, where the NCAA tournament is. So we're starting when the NCAA tournament is starting and we're ending right around the championship. So you have till like the first week of April to go vote. And then throughout, we'll do some updates and then we will reveal the, uh, the, the results, the winners and how it all went down in that, in that, in that uh, podcast in the first week cool. of April. 
Cool. So uh, just to highlight a few of these matchups, though, because I love pitting people against each other. Like, you know, just like the basketball bracket, you have your rankings, right? So like our top rated guys are, are Joe Sakura in the podcasters group. This guy's like a former police officer. Like, I, like he could beat me up for sure. <laughs> we got Father Josh Johnson in the priest bracket because, you know, like these other priests, like, you know, Father Anthony Serapa. I mean, what is he going to do in a boxing rig? <laughs> right. Run. Run. Ah! He's, yeah, he's just running around in circles. Um, but he, he has said, I do have to say this for him. He said uh, last year when he was upset that he wasn't included in the bracket. And I didn't know who he was either. Uh, I practiced twice. Oh, my gosh. Did you hear that voice crack? Twaekwondo. <laughs> my, my voice cracked, and it's all your fault, John, because you made me wake up early. He, pra- he said, right. I practiced taekwondo for 11 years. Let's fight in a challenge to the, to the guys who run the Coaster podcast. So the Coaster podcast guys are in it. Father Anthony is in it. And uh, – you can see the matchups over there on your end. Uh, Father Anthony Sharapa is going up yep. against another priest. Who is who is he fighting against in the first round? Oh, he's fighting against Father Harrison A, a brother <laughs> from up north. <laughs> so I love pitting like really good people or really like really good friends against each other. Like we've got the Roman Circus guys pitted against each other, Matt Baker and Zach Mavery. Uh, we've got uh, Lance Rosen and Daniel Uretz from the Ca- the Coaster Podcast. We've got sisters in the women's bracket who are actually sisters, like in the same order, pitted up against each other. So uh, we've got Nun and Nunner pitted up against each other. I don't know if you've heard of (laughs) Nun and Nunner. They're hilarious. I have not, but it sounds awesome. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. So we're going to have a lot of fun with this. Head on over to ministrymadness.com to cast your vote right now. It's going to be a blast. John, I'll, I'll be surprised if you get in the top half. Listen, man, I will too. I can fight, okay? I boxed at least twice in my life. At least twice. All right, guys, we will be right back with the one and only Paul George. Now, I say one and only, there are two. There's the basketball player in the NBA, and then there's the extraordinary youth ministry guru. I'll let you decide which one we're bringing back at the end of this break. Back to Forte Catholic. I am joined by Bearded Wonder, Jonathan Blevins, the Bearded Blevins, the Holy Grail of Men. That is, that is who he is. <laughs> we love John. And uh, before before we went over to the break, I told you I would bring one of the two Paul Georges on. Every, like one of my favorite sayings is like saying the one and only John Blevins, the one and only Taylor Schroll. And then like the last three weeks, I keep saying like the one and only of something. And it's always somebody that's not the one and only of anything. So not the one and only Paul George, but the superior Paul George is on the show today. Paul, welcome back, man. What's up, my brothers, my two bearded brothers. I'm the only one without a beard here. It's because you're What's not a man. What's that? Um, what, you know, I, I don't really know it, you know, it's hot in Louisiana and beards just make you hotter and I'm yeah, just not they a do. fan of being hotter <laughs> than hot. <laughs> but Taylor needs all the help he can get. I do. I, mine's just hiding my face. And, and to be fair, Paul, your, your logic doesn't really work because I live in Texas and I'm currently sweating up a storm like I do most of my life. And I still have the beard, but I don't have a face like yours. I don't have the cheekbones and the and the the perfect chin. So I have to hide all of my features. That's pretty good. I like that. Of course you do, because I just said you were gorgeous. Okay, moving on. <laughs> I uh, forgot that I was recording today. So I texted you very late last night. Hey, what are you doing in the morning? You want to come on my radio show? And you're like... Yeah, sure. Whatever. You know. So uh, thanks so much for coming on uh, such last minute. Why would you do that? Why would you agree to doing something so last minute? Uh, well, I had nothing else to do. I was going to be home um, helping my wife. Uh, our youngest is taking a nap right now, and uh, I'm heading out of town for the weekend. So I'm trying to be home today and help out around the house. Well, good. I'm glad I could make you stop helping out around the house and being present to your family before you leave. I'm very glad that I could <laughs> assist in that because what we're talking about today is is uh, is you being an, an expert on marriages and family. So, uh, but before we do that, before we dive into today's topic, John, let me know a very important story 
that we need to have you tell. Uh, so, John, I, I haven't heard this story yet. Go ahead and set this thing up for us. So here's the thing. There was a video of this, right, Paul? Yes. If so, I know okay. what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's this, there's, there's this horse <laughs> prom proposal video that I saw on Twitter. And I think that was when – I think that's when I, I followed you on Twitter. And I was cry laughing for 10 minutes. Like, I, and, and it's hard to make me cry laugh, especially just in a random video on Twitter. I, I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. So if you could just tell that story, I think that'd be great. Yeah, it kind of went viral, you know, but I had to post it. And I usually don't post things about my family uh, just because I'm kind of more of a private person with that. But this just, I had to do it. And part is I, I'm not into this whole promposal thing. And, you know, I, we have older kids um, and young kids, so my oldest daughter, Marie senior going to prom and all these kids do these, like, basically these huge, like engagement ass type things. It's like, what are you going to do when you finally get married? You know, how are you going to propose? It's like such a, a, a you know, a, a buzzkill by the time, uh, you get to that point. So this guy, you know, pr- you know, coordinates with a kid down the road. Who's got a horse. They dress up as knights and they come into our yard with a horse dressed as knights my daughter walks outside now i'm not i'm not uh i'm not here but my wife's here looking out the window and there's another kid filming the whole thing because you have to film the promposal right well during during the whole promposal this horse that they have starts to go nuts (laughs) and this little girl that's holding the horse he like shoves her out of the way she flies out of the scene into a bush and then the horse takes off running right during the promposal, like all the way down the street, right? It just runs away. I've never seen that in my life. And that was the promposal. Literally <laughs> happened in my backyard. Just amazing. It, she, she said yes, right? <laughs> she said yes. She was generous. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I was going to say yes, but nah. <laughs> I told the kid if he was man enough, he would have been on the horse. I mean, like, come on. Yeah. She said yes to that and then joined the convent a week later. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. So it's it's funny because like usually I like watching these promposal things just because of the fails. Like, you know, they, they go all out for this thing and the girl's like, No, you're you're nasty, you know? But this is a different kind of fail. She still said yes, but like it's just like the movie Hitch, like everything that, you know, just that could have gone wrong went wrong and yet the person still said yes. That's that's pretty amazing too. I'm glad John Yeah, it was fun. You it just brought up Hitch and that's amazing cuz you you are Kevin James in that movie. We want to know what's funny is in <laughs> high school, in high school, I was nicknamed Hitch because I was like the Will Smith character getting all yeah, these okay, people bud. together. But uh my how the tables have turned. Like that like you bringing that up hurts my heart in ways that you can't even imagine. Because of how much my life has shifted. Thank you very much for that, John. I really appreciate you're it. You're welcome, buddy. Hope you're having a great Thursday. Uh, it's okay. I'm going to go back to the first segment where you compared me to Brad Pitt and just use that to rebuild my heart. Okay. Just live there, man. So, uh, Paul, you you know, you know have these uh, experiences in, in parenting. I have not had that experience because my, my kids are very small and I don't want a horse at my house. So uh, one of the big things I have respect about you, I told the story uh, the first time that you came on around this time last year, about how you had such an impact on my life. And it's just interesting knowing you now as an adult, because like all I knew you as was the speaker up front in Steubenville. And like now, as, as, as I've gotten older, I've gotten to know you more as a human being, as a person, as a, as a husband, as a father, and we've been able to spend some time together. So I'm married with kids, John's married with kids, and we just want to learn from the master, the guy who looks younger than both of us, but is much more wise and experienced. So uh, you've been working a lot with, with marriages uh, a lot recently. So let's just kind of get the conversation started. Like The reason anybody talks about anything is because they see an issue. What is the big issue you see with marriages, like especially Catholic marriages right now in today's culture well i mean the big thing in the culture uh, my wife and i've been married you know 22 years we don't know everything we've learned a lot through failure um and we've learned a lot from other people and we spent a lot of time forming engaged couples and married couples and coaching and we really just desire for marriages to be what god intends which is a, a sign of his love to the world you know but marriage if we were to all be honest marriage isn't easy it's not something that comes supernatural and it, it, it's the thing that challenges married people to grow and growing's hard. Right. Uh, and all three of us could probably raise our hand on that. It's, it's the natural, uh, sort of 
you know, aspect of what marriage does. And that's why you look at in the culture and, you know, 50% of marriages fail in divorce and second marriages fail at the same clip. Right. And then, you know, a recent statistic, which is alarming is that this is the first time in history where 50% of the adult population, 18 and up are single. So no longer saying, Hey, I want to be married. Marriage is a good opportunity for me. They're pretty much saying like, ah, that looks really hard. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stay single. And there's a bunch of different factors. That would be a whole show on that. Uh, but the reality is that marriage is hard. And then people who do attempt marriage, they, they realize that once they get into it, this is harder than they thought it would be. And, um, and so that's the reality. What's hard about marriage? Pretty much everything. And it's different <laughs> for uh, each couple and each individual. And I uh, say, you know, there's, there's issues in marriages and then there's underlying issues and then there's critical issues and marriages that end up kind of getting over the hump and thriving are the ones that can get to those critical issues and really find a sense of healing, love and growth in those places. The the big thing for me that I love in what you just said is like when I was going through all of my marriage prep and even when I like when I was in college thinking about getting married uh, everybody that I heard speak about marriage like it's beautiful it's a sacrament it's it's amazing and it's like then you know then you get married and it's like wait what I thought I signed up for something different right because nobody was talking about the realness of the struggle and then you come on you're like what's hard about marriage everything you know like I love that because it's it's so much more real and concrete and like uh, it helps prepare people a little bit more so um when it comes to like the things in marriages that are difficult uh like you know because it can be different for so many different people how can we how can we move forward like what are some of the biggest things that you've done like either in your own marriage or in like the, the leadership that you've done with these with these couples that are planning to get married what are the big things that that married people today need to know need to do to actually stay together and not be the other 50 percent yeah, that's a good question. You know, we kind of tagline our marriage stuff and the marriage conferences we do um, as uh, messy, beautiful, and worth it. And those are kind of the three areas. And the reality is we all need to hear that marriage is messy and it's hard. And once people hear that, they're like, okay, well, so we're not alone. Um, and if people were to ask you, like, what's the number one issue in marriages? You know, certainly you could talk about communication, you could talk about finances, you could talk about sexuality and spirituality. Uh, you, you can go through a list of things where you see uh, some critical issues, right? There's some misalignment on those areas. But what I think that the thing is, what's causing the misalignment? And then what we call the, the critical issues that are underneath those. I would say the number one critical issue is this, and you guys could probably. Um, uh, admit this too, is a marriage, the beginning of a marriage, the very beginning of a marriage is as good or bad or happy or sad as someone's experience growing up. And what people don't realize is when they get married, they bring in, they bring in their whole selves, their, their past, their experiences, uh, the divorce they went through, the abuse, the brokenness, the, the screw ups, the regret that all comes into the marriage and, and what ends up happening is a lot of that stuff's not dealt with. And so it causes all these other issues. And a lot of people don't get to the underlying issues. Once people start to do that work underneath, that's when they experience a lot of growth in their marriage. Yeah, it's, it's two broken people coming in, coming into this thing, right? And it's like one of the issues that I've noticed with myself uh, is like m my focus on me, right? So it's like uh, just a lot of times not seeing like, oh, what actually is love? It's wanting the, the best for the other person. And like, yes, I think I do that. But there's a lot of times, too many times where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do what's good for me. You know, like I come home, I went to work, I'm going to lay in bed for 30 minutes and chill. I'm going to close the door so the kids can't come in. I'm going to then go over to the TV and watch that. And like, and, and like, I find myself getting trapped in these, like, I'm going to do what I want to do because of what's going on in my life. Like I'm stressed about work. I'm stressed about these other things going on. And I just want to come home and chill because like that was my experience growing up. It was my experience in college. I lived alone. I went out and did stuff. And then I came home and I dealt with it in quiet. And like, that's my pattern for 22 years. And then I get married. And then it's like that pattern needs to be 
completely different. And I think like recognizing that uh, has been helpful for me. Like I still, you know, I did it two days ago, right? Like I still fall into those patterns. But the reason my my uh, marriage is, is successful is because my wife is a saint. You know, like that's that's the big thing. It's like, you know, the, my wife's great. And then I, I'm trying to grow in these things as well. John, you yeah, look like you have that. something on your head, on, on your mind, dude. I'm, dude, I'm just taking notes from Paul, man. Man, yeah, like it's tough. I think one of the, uh, I think one of the hardest parts, especially working in the church and in ministry, is being open about the struggles of marriage with people because they put you on this pedestal of like, oh man, you you guys do hospitality nights. Oh man, John gets to go and do all these things and talk about Jesus. And so it's like, well, actually, marriage is really hard. And so I think it's hard to talk about that. So I've got a couple of friends that are that I'm super close to it that I can talk to. But in general, I think we just need to be more open as a society and as a church of being able to talk about those kind of things. So that's a first, my first thought. And then kind of relating to what you just said, Taylor, like I, yeah, I, have, I was talking about this with some friends last night. I have this like entitlement thing where I'm like, dude, I just worked this long, did this trip. And so now I deserve like me time. You know, I have like this, there's like, I deserve this triple cheeseburger. I just, <laughs> I was just at this eight hour event. I'm going to get a cheeseburger <laughs> on my home and I'm, I'm not going to eat a double. I'm getting a triple. I deserve it. And instead of like doing that, like being like, okay, Jody was home with the kids. And in reality, that's a lot harder than anything that I do. <laughs> so just being more sacrificial and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, I, I want to speak to both of those things because you bring up some great points and Taylor, you as well as thread this all together is, you know, marriage is two imperfect people coming together. Right. And, and our imperfections kind of collide uh, and rub against each other. And this is either a, a catalyst for great division. Or B, it's a catalyst for great growth and sainthood. It's one or the other. And the only way to really have a great marriage is ultimately bend around the reality that I want to be more like Christ than myself because it's really hard. And, you know, you talk about deserving. Yes. I mean, I think at the heart of any time we ever have a marriage issue, it's selfishness. It's me saying, I want to do this. I want to do this. I deserve this. I need a long time. And all those things could be very true. Uh, but we often use this statement, what's not good for one is not good for both. If it's not good for both, it's not good for neither. If it's not good, like it's got to be a joint thing. But to speak into your first thing that you said, John, was I think a lot of people, if anybody in ministry listens to this or anybody in leadership listens to this, is a lot of times we think we're alone, particularly in our marriages. And I find that a lot of people in ministry and in leadership struggle in their marriages and they don't talk about it it ends up being a really hard thing. And I think the reality is we all just need to be open and honest and communal about this because we really desire to do well, but it's difficult and we need help. 100%. Yeah, absolutely, man. This, this has been great. The, the thing that I want to wrap up with is you mentioned it earlier. And like you said, it, it, it'd be a whole nother show all in and of itself. Uh, the, like the, the, how most a lot of people are getting married later or not getting married at all and being single. But we have a lot of young adults that listen to the show. So like for the single people who are looking to get married at some point, what is the biggest thing that they can do right now to prepare themselves for marriage? I'll use a statement. Become the person you're looking for who's looking for. Become the person you're looking for who's looking for. It takes me to make we. As much as I can do self-work on myself, before I get married, the better off I'll be. Because here's the deal. You can think you don't have baggage when you get married and you're going to have baggage. And what I tell people is the best that you can do before you get married is to downsize your baggage. Try to go from a whole bunch of bags to a carry-on because that carry-on is going to explode in your marriage and, and everything's exposed. And so the more work you can do ahead of time, uh, the better because it's all going to come out. Awesome, man. Well, hey, thanks so much for your time. Like I've been I've been on this thing for years of like people not being honest about marriage and right out of the gate, you went right to it, you know? And so I, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your, your leadership. And uh, where can people get, get in contact with you? How can they follow you? All that jazz. Yeah, I just go to discovertheartofliving.com and get in touch with me. We also have a page there for, for marriage stuff and these marriage talks and conferences that we're doing. If people need some insights and coaching or want to come to one of the conferences, great. And I'd love to come back on. We can do more about this because I do think it's something that people in the church need to hear. And honestly, like Catholic people aren't void of difficult marriages. Um, and so that's the reality and the truth. And 
and uh, yeah, great being on with you guys. Thanks yeah, so much. Thanks a lot. Yeah, one day soon, I'll text you really late the night before, and and we'll do this again. <laughs> cool. Make sure it's the one I'm co-hosting. Yeah, absolutely. Paul, thanks so much for your time, uh, guys. We'll be right back for our final segment of the day. Don't go anywhere. Catholic on your radio station or podcast. John, what do you think of that? I've never done that before. Uh, how, what, what are we feeling about my uh, my radio voice? You have a very unique voice in general, and you're kind of boisterous in a good way. That was bad, though, dude. I feel like you can do better. Is what I'm saying. I was expecting like welcome and hello. You know, like something better. Try again. Welcome and hello. Okay, that, that was a little creepy and a little bit like Bane, kind of. <laughs> so you like that one better? Or, or yeah, though, that was nice. Welcome to Flat Day <laughs> That was... <laughs> Listen! <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, this is all we're going to do. We're just going to test out voices. What's the best voice that you have? Like the best... I mean, you're, you're uh, I almost said Mario. Your uh, Mickey was pretty good. I couldn't think of which childhood character you were doing. I mean, I, could, I feel like impressions is something my, like both my brothers and myself can do really well. So I, I'd say a lot of them. Uh, like, do, what was that? Do you know what that is? Uh, you dying? I don't know. <laughs> hey, hey, Lois. <laughs> that was pretty good. Like I, I can do most of those characters. I don't know, dude. I, I, I do it on stream all the time. It's fun. <laughs> That's great. We haven't talked about the stream in a while. So the, the big reason that, that you and I met is because of your stream. So I want you to tell people just about it. Give a little commercial, a little plug for it, where people can find you and why, why you are cool and, and not just a guy that does voices uh, once a month on my radio show. <laughs> my goodness. Uh, so I stream on twitch.tv slash beardedblevins. Uh, Bearded Blevins is like all my social media and my my Twitch and stuff. And basically, I just yeah, I play video games and talk about Jesus uh, and a lot of other stuff. Like I, I'm, I've decided that it's a pre-evangelization tool to get people who can often be in toxic communities online into a really good, healthy, prayerful community where they can be introduced to the gospel message and be open to hearing it in a deeper way, either by me on the stream or in in social media or on YouTube or at their local church. Um, as well so it's been it's been really cool it's been almost exactly a year actually since i started it and the fruits from it are i'm blown away by and it's also just been very helpful financially for my my family (laughs) so all i heard after or all i could think about after you said the word toxic 37 seconds ago was all i want to hear now just to tie everything together is you doing your britney spears impression singing toxic with the taste of the lips on my mouth, <laughs> you're toxic, I'm sleeping under. What was that? that? I mean, it was uncanny. It's like I was just playing the song. <laughs> like, that was amazing. I feel, I feel like that went really well. Actually, I was floating outside of my body for a second. <laughs> so a lot of people listening to this right now feel like they want to die. So we're going to talk about death. Are you ready for this? I love death, yeah. You love death. Okay, so... I was always confused by this whole memento mori thing, but you love death. Uh, so what are, what are your thoughts? On this? Do you know what the memento mori is? Yeah, so Latin for remember your death. And the way I actually learned about it, um, I'm going to be a hipster for a second. Like before it was cool on Twitter, uh, I, I was reading the church, the, the church fathers for my in grad school. And I, this one story, like, I don't think I read that book. I was supposed to read the whole thing. I read like two chapters and this thing stuck out to me so much that these, these desert fathers who would walk around in the desert and gave their lives to Christ and they were alone and they'd pray all day long. Um, they'd run into each other every once in a while in the desert and they would just be like, brother, remember your death, like memento mori. I just, I like read that and I was like, man, that's awesome. Like all the stresses of life, uh, like that, that can just get you caught up every single day. But if you remember we're dust and to dust we're going to return someday we're just going to die i think it'll help us be more joyful more loving and less stressed 
So the first thing, before I even respond to your take on Memento Mori, I have to just, I'm not going to let it slide. You said, I loved this book so much, and then you said I read two chapters. Apparently you didn't love it that much. <laughs> I mean, I love that quote a lot, though. <laughs> I, I knew, I read this quote, I knew the book couldn't get any better, so I put it down forever. <laughs> Maybe I read a little more than two chapters, but definitely not the whole book. Yeah, definitely not. We all, we, we all assumed that, John. Um, so with, with the whole Memento Mori thing, here's, remember your death. Here was my thoughts about it until like this Lent started, even like with some like pretty popular Catholic people on Twitter, like tweeting it out all the time. And I'm like, this is weird. Like I thought this is one of those weird things that Catholics do. It's like, remember your death. I thought it was like this super solemn thing, like, hey, you're going to die one day. And I thought it was all about being sad. So- what like but you then come onto the show and you're like okay it would lead to these good things how does remembering that i'm going to die which is like like okay before we even go on like that's the thing that like people are like i could die doing this like that's the th thing most people fear the most now like really holy people will fear like you know sinning or something but like the majority of the world fears death and or suffering the most. So how is this momentum mori remembering your death a good thing? So if you're a Christian and you believe that uh, that Jesus, you know, rose from the rose from the dead and uh, is, is going to bring us heaven with him, then death can still be scary for sure, but you you at least are hopeful that there's a good part that, of it. You know, there's a good result. Um so I, but I think it mostly just puts things into perspective. Like and I don't want to, first, I just want to say, I don't want to diminish like people's anxieties. I know that a lot of people, especially in 2019, struggle with depression, anxieties and stuff. I don't think this is a cure for that by any means. And I don't want to downplay that. But I do think it can put things into perspective. Like if I get cut off on the road, like I could be mad for three hours or you could just be like, hey, you know what? Like memento mori, someday I'm going to die. And this guy cutting me off on the road is not a big deal. Um, so I think it helps put things into perspective and uh, it helps us to kind of stay joyful. But you kind of have to have the hope in heaven uh, in, in order for that not to just freak you out. Yeah, and like that's the piece of it that I never fully underst understood. So I started reading about Memento Mori uh, as, as Lent started because, you know, like Lent starts with, remember you are dust and to dust you shall return. Insert great voice version of the Thanos meme right now. You know, <laughs> did, you, <laughs> did you see that meme ar around Ash Wednesday? Nope. You are dust and to dust you shall return. It's just Thanos like snapping his fingers. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Uh, do you ever get to the point where you see something like that and you're like, I will never accomplish anything better than that in my life? You ever have that feeling? Yeah, uh, yeah for sure. Um, but I have it all the time, though. <laughs> <laughs> really? You know, I'm like, man, life can't get better than this. I'm done. And then the next day, I'm like, man, I'm just an optimistic person. So I think you're talking about something different. I, I think Wait, what? like... I'm saying I look at somebody else's work and I say, I'll never get better than that. You think I'm the best I've ever been <laughs> and I'll only get better tomorrow. We're yeah, very no, different. but I do hear you. So I don't, this is like a whole thing. I don't consider myself like a creative, but I do stream and do YouTube. And so maybe I am becoming one, but I don't think I am creative. And so I don't even get bothered by that stuff. So if I sell that meme, I'd be like, yeah, there's no way I could have ever come up with that. But I just don't let it bother me because there's other stuff I'm good at. So here's here's the thing. Okay, so like I, that makes sense. Like I'm not good at making memes. Uh, memes. I've made one in my life, and I thought it was pretty good. Uh, it was it was um, through my fault, through my fault, through my own, and then it was just a picture of General Grievous from Star Wars, and then fault at the bottom. Oh, that's I was, funny. I was really proud of that. Like that was I peaked right then. That was nine years ago. Yep. Um, but like, there's a kid at at the Catholic school that that I work with that. He's a senior now, but when he like, it's this weird dichotomy that I have. He is like the second best pianist I've ever played with in my entire life. And he, that was true when he was in ninth grade. And I looked wow. at him the first time I played with him and I was like, dude, you are better at playing piano than I will ever be at anything in my entire life. And you're in ninth grade. <laughs> like, and it was this weird thing that I was like, this is so cool. God has blessed him. Like he has spent so much time working on this. He's a prodigy. And then also at the same time, like I have a music degree. I studied this stuff. I, <laughs> I, I do music you know, as part of my living and this kid's already better than me. What the heck? You know? So, yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, anyway, we're thinking about death again and, and other things that bring me sadness. Okay. But the part of this momentum mori that I was missing was was this Christian aspect of it. Like to be honest, even though I always heard it like in Christian circles, I thought it was like, remember that you're going to die. And like, because I didn't know it was focused on Christ. And so I started reading about this thing. It says, okay, in Sirach, which is one of those Catholic books that we have that no one else does because we're cooler than everyone. In whatever you do, remember your last days and you will never sin. So you knew what Memento Mori was working on or what it meant. So have you not sinned since you learned about Memento Mori and when you read two chapters in college? <laughs> No, I have no. Yeah, no. But no, no you haven't sinned? I, I, I never sinned once. <laughs> no, I, I I, would like to think I'm holier since since that started. But at the same time, uh, the reason I love it so much is it is it for me a constant reminder to keep trying to be better. Yeah, and and it, I, I need that reminder every day. And it's it's interesting because like since I've been – since I like had this – this epiphany or, or understood momentum mori, like my spiritual life has been better. And it's, it brought me back to, to high school. I've shared before. It's been a long time though. Um, that when I was in high school, like I had a lot of classmates and teachers die when I was, when I was in high school. So it's weird. Like you're in high school, you know, like typically as you, you know, it, the high school age is like, I'm never going to die. I'm invulnerable. Right. And then like for us, like it was just shattered immediately. Cause like we had, like there was one classroom that we started the classroom and like one one student passed away and the teacher passed away in the same like in the same classroom so we sat wow. in that classroom all year with two empty seats like it was it was just really strange right so we like growing up and this was all around the time that i was really getting into my faith and like so like this whole death thing and i think that's probably why because like it was like death was really 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 sad for me when i was in high school losing friends family members and all this stuff and like it was really weird but then, like, there was there was always this hope because, like, you know, they're with Jesus now. Like, they were, these are good people, holy people, Christian people for them. You know, like most of them, at least as far as I know, right? And and it's interesting how I've kind of gotten away from that, like, recognition of how fragile life is, of how like it feels when somebody when somebody dies, and this like this perfect dichotomy of yes, it's sad, but at the same time. As you said, if we're a Christian, we believe that like all death is is a separation of the body and soul. And then you go to be with, you know, love itself. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's interesting. It is interesting. And I, and you bring up a good point because you like if you were thinking of death and you were thinking of experiences of loss that you've had in life. And I just never correlated those two things. So like I can walk around to anyone and be like, I'm ready to go. Like when I when I leave the confessional, I'm literally like, anytime God, like it, it, it come back now. Um, but then if you're, if like, if it was something, you know, my kids or like a family member, like, no, that does like, remember your death doesn't help me with that. <laughs> um, I mean a little in that, in the resurrection, but it's, for me, it really is like, John, remember your death. Right. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. So there's a couple of quotes that, that, that stuck out to me when I read two chapters of this book. I'm not even joking. I just made that connection that I've read two chapters of this book. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Um, uh, Jesus has transformed this fearsome reality of death into the doorway to heaven. And it's like, that's, that is just, I mean, that just beautiful wordplay, first of all, right? It's like this thing that we fear the most, this thing that, that is terrifying is like because of Christ's death and then his resurrection, there is this resurrection aspect to our death. Like our soul moves on, right? And like that is our pathway into heaven. Like the earth is cool. Like I enjoy life, but it's not heaven. You know, like it's, it's just kind of this interesting thing that like for us as Christians, memento mori, remembering our death is not just this that sad thing like I thought for 29 years of my life, but it's this recognition of like one of the greatest Christian truths. Amen, dude. Amen. I mean, a dashboard confessional did have a song called Heaven is Here, though, so. Well, I don't take my <laughs> theological advice from Dashboard Confessional. I take it more <laughs> yes. from the real confessional and the pulpit. But, but, <laughs> hey, nice job. <laughs> but that's you just, should take life advice from them, though, because they have a song called Remember to Breathe, and that's important. I, 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 I often forget that. I'm glad they gave that great <laughs> PSA. It wasn't even a song. It was just a PSA in the middle of their album. Hello, everyone. We're Dashboard Confessional. 
And we would like to remind you of this important issue that keeps popping up. (laughs) As humans, we all need oxygen. And what we would like you to do is to expand your lungs. Take in the breath of God. Wait, can we talk about God? We're Dashboard Confessional. And breathe in this life. This has been Dashboard Confessional. Amen. Can they say? Because if you don't, you will die. Memento mori. Memento mori. What a great! <laughs> I didn't. I had no idea where I was going, but you did. Thanks, John. Okay. Got you. So this this final quote is with the triumph of the cross. Remembering remembering one's death involves not only remembering mortality, which is interesting because it's like remember your death. Remember your death means more than just remembering your death. Okay, that's good news. But also remembering Christ's victory over death. And like this is what finally won me over to this whole Memento Mori thing. Because I've been talking about like victory in Christ and like how like because of Christ's death and resurrection, we don't need to be walking around sad all the time. That's why I didn't like this Memento Mori thing. But this is like Memento Mori is the perfect thing for this because it's all about the victory of Christ. Okay, are you ready for me to yell about something that I'm upset about? Uh, yeah. Okay. We have two minutes left and I'm just going to yell for the rest of this. Have you ever been in mass and somebody like, you know, like, like a daily mass and they're like, okay, for what else shall we pray? Right. For like the, the intentions. I know what you're going to say. Okay. So let's say you and I are standing, are standing there and, and you say for a special intention. When I when I say let us pray to the Lord or I say amen or I say yes I will pray for it I have no idea what I'm agreeing to. You like your special intention could be for me to suffer and 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 like get the flu. I'm not going to pray for that. Like I need something, okay? I need something. And it's interesting because I've had this thought for a while. And then like last week Edmund Mitchell went off on it on his on his Instagram story shout out to him. And like we are totally in agreement with this. The other thing that drives me crazy, we have this prayer wall in our campus ministry room, John. And it has all kinds of things on the wall. And it doesn't say like we need to be specific in our prayer. All it says is like for cancer like, what do you want for cancer? To spread and take over America? For it to be eradicated? I don't know what you want. I know what I want. I want it to be gone. But I don't, I, I can't. I need you to be more specific, John. Be more constructive with your feedback. <laughs> be more constructive with your Dude, feedback. I am with you a thousand percent on this. Like, my it, my biggest pet peeve is when someone just tweets and it's like, please pray for a special intention. Thank you. And I'm like, okay, like, do you just want likes? Like, do, do you know you're going to get likes on that? Like, what do you want actual prayer for? Oh, yeah, you're spot on. That actually made me even more mad now because I've never thought of how you brought it up at first that they could be praying for something bad. I just don't like it because it's just like, what a weird thing to, to say on Twitter if you're not like, what's, what's going on? And if, and if it's something secret, well, then don't ask for, then ask your friends for prayer. Or, or a stranger. Or it's like, okay, like, you know, please pray for me in a difficult situation with a coworker. Like, that's enough. Like, I know what's going on. Again, yep. it's still kind of weird. Like you could be praying for them to, you know, to fall ill. We're not going to do that. But hey, guys, I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray for me for, in a very specific way. I want you to pray for me to be able to deal with one of my difficult co-hosts whose name rhymes with Bon Jelevens. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love you, John. Thanks so much for coming on today. You rock. Love you too, brother. This is always fun. All right, guys. I will be back next week. Say it. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. I hope that you enjoyed it. For all things Forte Catholic, the shows, the speaking, the music, head on over to fortecatholic.com.